But where are you really from? But where are you really from? Hi everyone, my name is Jesse Lin, and I'm Angela Lin. Welcome back to another episode of But Where Are You Really From? You guys asked, and now we're delivering. I think in prior episodes where we've had guests, you guys have asked to have more people on to help speak to the Asian diaspora across more than just the U.S. So here we are delivering a new conversation with another member of the Asian diaspora. This time with my personal more than party friend, Henry. Thank you for joining, Henry. Yay! Yay! Thanks for having me. Quick background on how we met. We met out randomly at a night at a club, and I think we were just overlapping so many different places and events. And I think we also had many of the same interests, so we just started hanging out more, and we became friends. So. I will kick it over to you. We would love to ask you our signature question, but where are you really from? You know,、um, I think it varies a lot depending on who's asking, what time of day it is, how I'm feeling. But、um, just to give you a bit of synopsis on like where I'm from and sort of the journey.、Um, so I was born in Hong Kong, but I, I I didn't really sort of live there for a long period of time. Maybe about like four or five years. The age of About five, my parents and I immigrated to New Zealand, and that's sort of where I spent most of my childhood, all the way up to the age of eighteen. So I did all my basically all my schooling up to college in New Zealand, and then after that, I moved to the U.S. to go to college, and I've been here since. And actually, I think almost to the day, it's been ten years, a decade in this country. It's hard.、Uh, really depends, but you know, is it Hong Kong? Is it New Zealand? Now, is it like America? Right. I think it really depends. But I, usually, I say New Zealand because that has been sort of like the bulk of my childhood, right, from the age of five to eighteen. Yeah, it, it kind of depends on who I'm talking to. Do you remember much about Hong Kong since you were quite young when you left? And does your family like go back and forth now? It's interesting because actually. My family,、uh, both my mom and my dad, are both like from Hong Kong. My dad is like several generations in Hong Kong. My mom and my grandmother are both from Hong Kong.、Um, their generations were sort of in southern China. Growing up, my dad and my mom lived separately so that we could make ends meet. So my dad, you know, he lived in Hong Kong and Shanghai for many years. My mom, my brother, and I, we would actually go visit. Hong Kong, like once a year, for you know, basically all all of my childhood. It it was a sort of like both a sense of familiarity as as well as this kind of disconnect, right? Because I didn't really do any of my schooling in Hong Kong, but I could still read a little bit. I you know, I'm fluent talking to my parents in Cantonese, and so there was sort of this familiarity in all the different places, right? Like I I can get around pretty well. I have a lot of different sort of various memories, but. Um, it still definitely didn't feel anywhere like home at all. That's super interesting, and it's actually very similar to how I was brought up because my dad owned a factory in China, so he was like largely there most of the year. He would come back every, I'd say, like four months or so. But it was my mom with me and my brother in the U.S. most of the time, and then every summer we would go back to Taiwan and also carve out like a month where we were in China to. Spend time with him closer to where he's working. So I wonder how many Asian kids have like a very similar kind of 
set of. I, I hadn't met anyone that was similar until today. You know, I, I knew maybe one or two, but typically sort of the immigrant families that I grew up alongside, they sort of had moved over completely as a unit. I mean, it was always a, a really interesting endeavor trying to explain this to my friends, right? Because they're like, why do you have to be away over the holidays for so long? Like, why can't you just stay here? It meant that, you know, growing up, I had a lot more time connecting with my mom than my dad. I didn't really have this traditional like, fatherhood that people, you know, might have in other families. Do you feel like since you moved so young from Hong Kong to New Zealand, do you have an idea of what things would have been like for you living there versus you having grown up in New Zealand? So my mom has five siblings. My dad probably has five siblings as well, but on my mom's side, I have 13 cousins. The majority of them grew up in Hong Kong. A couple of us moved over to New Zealand, Australia. Over Christmas, when we'd come back, you know, usually most of us would come back at the same time. And it was always interesting sort of interacting with my cousins, right? Because I, obviously I, I know them, um, you know, not super well, but they're my cousins. So we see each other at these big Chinese family gatherings, right? And I would connect really well with my cousins from Australia, right? And then like my cousins who grew up here, like, well, you know, like we'd like get along, you know, I don't know if we'd kiki and stuff, but like th there was sort of like this language barrier also, right? Because they have their own slang, the way that like things that they talk about. But definitely I think growing up in New Zealand, right? Like just being immersed in a completely different culture really allowed me to explore opportunities that I don't think were probably possible in Hong Kong. Things like being in the outdoors, having, you know, honestly, like a lot of different kinds of friends who, you know, going hiking and doing all these things. So yeah, I definitely think life would have been really different. Is there a big Chinese ethnic like population in New Zealand? Because I've definitely heard of a lot of Asian people going to Australia, but I didn't know people also were moving to New Zealand, I guess, because my idea of New Zealand is also I've been once but the kind of running joke everyone always talks about is like there's more sheep in New Zealand than there are people. So even of like human population thinking of the ethnic makeup, I never thought there would be like a big Asian population of any sort. So what was that makeup like when you were growing up? I think towards the end of the 20th century, like in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was sort of a mass migration of people from Hong Kong to like, kind of like all over, right? Like Canada, the US, uh, Australia, and then also New Zealand. It's interesting in New Zealand because in Auckland, which is the largest city, it's about like a third of the country's population. It's like pretty diverse. At the school that I went to, I was in a pretty affluent neighborhood. I'd say maybe we were like 10, 15%, maybe even 20% Asian. And then there were sort of parts of Auckland that had a high immigrant population as well. Did you feel like the folks there who were already there were very welcoming? Did you feel like you had to uh, assimilate to the local culture? Like, what, what was that kind of integration process like? So luckily, uh, my aunt and her family moved to New Zealand probably like 10 years before we did. So we had kind of like a base to find our footing off of. So we didn't come to this country sort of completely brand new. And for me, so I was actually just starting kindergarten. Didn't know a word of English, didn't matter because you're sort of like playing like pretend cooking or throwing stuff around the room and you know, like 
doing what kindergarten toddlers do. The community that we moved into was not insular, but it's very primarily people from Hong Kong. Even the kids that I was around, the school, because our um, the public school system is based on uh, zones. So where, where you live, you live in a certain zone that guarantees you to sort of go to a school in that area, right? And so I lived in an area with um, a lot of immigrant families from Hong Kong and China. We'd go out to go grocery shopping at supermarkets. All these different shops were like people spoke in Cantonese. Everything was written in Cantonese and English as well. But like it was very easy for my mom to get around. And so I think as we grew older, we definitely noticed that. But we also noticed that we were leaning into this much more Western culture at school, right? Because we were sort of growing older. We started moving away from these communities to like different zones, different parts of the city. For me, I grew up being immersed in these like Western ideals and, and, and things that they do. And then at home, it's a very different story. But I think for my mom, I think it was difficult for her to like assimilate into communities that were less immigrant based. And so we had always sort of go back to those communities on the weekends or after school, you know, to visit her friends or like my relatives. I guess the question is kind of around if you found folks welcoming of the Canto community, if you found that there were any areas of friction or conflict. Because I feel like New Zealand has, is seen as like this very accepting, welcoming place. But I also feel like for a while, the United States was like that with some of the immigrant population. And obviously, that narrative has changed over time. You know, it's, it's complicated. But I think there is this sort of prevailing reputation of New Zealand being super progressive, right? Super open. And, and I, I'm not sure about that. Growing up, I, I remember this one story, right? And I think this probably kind of sums up people's views a bit here, which is one time we went traveling to some like farm, right? And there are lots of farms and they grow like kiwi fruit and honey and all of that. And I remember this as a kid, but I didn't really understand what was happening. That we were like touring this honey farm. New Zealand is very famous for like manuka honey. And so at the end of this tour, we were like sampling different honeys and they were like asking us to all try like different honeys. And so they gave us like popsicle sticks, right? And so you could sort of like go in and scoop out a little bit. And so like, this is just like me and my family and like my aunt's family, right? So there's probably like 10 of us and then like a bunch of other people who weren't Asian. So like I go in for the first scoop and the guy sort of kind of like looks at me and it's like, and also remember like in our culture, we don't double dip. And I was like, super confused at the time right like I didn't really know like I was probably like eight but I think that was sort of like the beginning of when I started realizing that people had certain judgments or stereotypes about people who look like me and I, I found that sort of to be the kind of experience growing up in New Zealand right like I think people are somewhat close-minded or have have like strongly held stereotypes around who Asian people are uh, what their role in society are, all these things, right? So I'd say it's probably a, a bit of friction. Which culture do you feel like you belong to the most now? Honestly, these days, I feel like I don't belong to any of them. I live in New York City. There's almost this sort of microculture that comes with living in the city itself. Like people are very fast paced, very upfront, you know, very mean on the surface and then kind on, you know, on the inside. All the things that people talk about New Yorkers, I resonate with parts of that as a product of having lived in the city for almost six years, right? But then at times I kind of like pull back and I connect with my roots being from New Zealand. We're kind of pretty laid back about a lot of things. We like our nature, we like hiking, we like sort of immersing ourselves in the outdoors. 
So I think like these days, I feel like I'm just kind of drawing from whatever I feel like drawing from. So there are days where I want to go out and have a good time and I want to party and like be amongst the energy of people and see all this diversity, then, you know, I kind of really lean into that. And then on other days, I want to be a recluse and I just want to like go upstate and go for a hike. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey listeners, wondering how you can support us? The biggest way is by increasing our visibility by following us on Instagram at Where Are You From Pod, on TikTok at But Where Are You Really From, subscribing to our YouTube channel under But Where Are You Really From Podcast, rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, and telling your friends. The more people we can get to listen to the show, the more we can continue spotlighting different perspectives and stories. And if you feel so inclined, we're also accepting donations at buymeacoffee.com slash where are you from. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> So one other thing about New Zealanders is they hold their identity very strongly, right? They're like, I'm a Kiwi, I'm a New Zealander. And there's almost this tendency to like one-up each other on how how Kiwi you can be. And this can be based on accent or like, oh, like when was the last time you went to New Zealand? Is your family still in New Zealand? How often do you go back? And so for me, I don't really play into that. I think there's, there's so much diaspora around the world uh, for Kiwis. I think 20 to 25% of Kiwis are located outside New Zealand. So yeah, I'd say sort of, I'm kind of all over the place these days. The one-upping each other on how Kiwi you are thing is really funny to me. But also, it still sounds like they're maybe like unifying characteristics that they acknowledge makes somebody Kiwi. Did you feel like growing up, there were enough of those unifying characteristics that people, no matter what they looked like, could all feel like, yeah, we're all Kiwi? Or did you still feel like, oh, there are like some things where they kind of reserve it for like someone who looks a certain way or grew up with a certain type of background? I think it's definitely a bit of both, right? So like growing up, there were, you know, things that Kiwi kids did, you know, go sit on the beach, go out sailing in the harbour. Uh, in New Zealand, we call these beach houses batches. They're called batches. So we'd go out to the batch, right? Or, or someone's batch. And we would go have a barbecue, have a sausage sizzle, as we would call them. So we'd like, you know, do these things, right, as kids. Like immigrants who sort of grew up through the entire schooling system certainly had like a unique experience. Like, for example, for myself, right, like I never really did everything that these Kiwi kids talked about or, you know, what what was sort of prescribed based on my mom and like how she parented me. But certainly I, I did some of those and I was considered part of the community, right? I think one thing that does stick out to me as like um, something that I honestly don't really like is that there's sort of this really over indexing on accents on the New Zealand accent right and I really don't like it to be honest Um, and I come from a place of privilege because I grew up learning English in New Zealand right and so I have the New Zealand accent and a lot of people say that oh you haven't really lost it have you you know living in the states for so long and I'm like that's kind of problematic you know because like there's people kind of really judge you based on how you sound in New Zealand and if you say you're from New Zealand and you know 
sound like you have the New Zealand accent, then they kind of look at you a bit weirdly. And I just think about sort of all the immigrants who came to this country, right, and, and don't have the New Zealand accent, even if they live here in New Zealand for a long period of time, that's a bit of a problem. I think that's really interesting. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that compared to your experience in the US, because I always struggle when people are like, what is the quintessential American experience, like the average experience? And I feel like that is so hard to define because it's so varied depending on where you grew up in the States. Yeah, I think that's kind of the key is that the US is made up of 50 states that are all big enough and populated enough that they could be like their own little countries if you tried to break them out. So that's why the experience is so different. But I imagine New Zealand because literally like population size and the density of where most people live, it probably does have more of a unified way of operating in life. But uh, the accent thing, though, depending on your state that you grew up in, you also also have different accents but I understand what you're saying though because with my mom or my dad right like for example they're never gonna have any sort of like quote-unquote American accent either and for sure people also judge them but I don't think it's like the number one thing I guess in the U.S. because we have just so many immigrants of like so many different cultures so it's common that there's some sort of accent without you being able to just say like that's not quote-unquote American because everyone has like a slightly different accent here I guess. I feel like in New Zealand there feels like there is a sort of push for immigrants to assimilate right and I, I remember in the early days it was always this conversation of like how can immigrants be more part of the New Zealand fabric right and like be more like New Zealanders how can we take immigrants and make them into New Zealanders. And it felt very unidirectional. And I, I think things have changed a lot since then, um, since I, I you know, grew up there. I think New Zealand is definitely a lot more diverse and has you know, progressed having the language to talk about diversity and like letting immigrants be, honestly. Let them cook their food because it's so good and just eat it. And I would say actually, so on that note, what was really interesting for me coming to the US is like this third country, right? So there's Hong Kong, there's New Zealand, and then now this US was this whole cuisine of Chinese American food. But that just kind of like baffled me a lot coming here because like when white people talk about like Chinese food, sometimes they even talk about it as like Chinese, right? Like I want to order Chinese for dinner. It's like even more reductive in my mind of Chinese cuisine than New Zealanders talking about Chinese food. Broadly speaking, if I look at a typical Chinese restaurant, I see like General Sal's, orange chicken, beef with broccoli and all this stuff. It feels very different to Chinese restaurants back home in New Zealand, where actually I think the sort of common denominator of like Chinese cuisine knowledge, I think is, is different back home. Like people are obsessed with like dumplings and scallion pancakes and and, and this, this isn't just like people who are informed and exposed to Chinese culture it's like your average New Zealander craves dumplings and wontons and and yeah I'm not saying like oh one is more progressive or in any way better than the other but it, it was kind of a reverse reality shock going back home just realizing that immigrants sort of cook their own food and in some ways actually weren't forced to assimilate or create cuisines that suited the sort of incumbent population in the same way that I feel like is what I'm observing here in the U.S. 
Yeah, in the US, I feel like it went the way it did because it's so damn expensive to exist in the US that like in order to make money, all these immigrants essentially were just like, what will white people eat? Because they're the ones with money and we have to like pay rent. So like, let's like figure out a way to make this appealing to them. And then they find the like one or two things that people like, and then they just like pump it out over and over again. But I feel like in places where people can appreciate the actual food, right? Like New York is obviously like a special little place in the US where you can find people of all countries and origins and you can find authentic stuff from any culture really. But even looking at like right now, I'm in our hometown and population wise, it's about half Asian. So you can find like very specific types of Chinese food. For example, it wouldn't just be like a generic Chinese restaurant. It would be like a Sichuan restaurant or like a Taiwanese restaurant or whatever and then you'd find non-typical dishes and the place will be poppin because people know it's good food but they didn't whitewash the menu because they know that there's enough people of the like actual community that want to eat there and want to eat the original taste so they don't need to fake it versus like of course, then there's still Panda Express and Peiwei and whatever. This will always exist, but no one's trying to pretend like that's like real Chinese food around here. I think about this a lot. The restaurants that serve more traditional cuisines, right, that are more like specific. It's not like they're hard to eat. I love eating all kinds of these cuisines, and I'm sure people who aren't used to those cultures enjoy that too, right? Like, so it's not that it's like not tasty. I feel like there's a big component of being exposed, right, to these different cuisines, but then also kind of like doing the work and having that curiosity to like open your mind up to the fact that there are many kinds of cuisines uh, in the world and, and being willing to try them. Huge generalization aside, right? But, but I, I get that sense more with people back home. I would tend to agree with that, especially if you think about outside of the coastal areas, which we mostly reside in, but like the small town that has one Chinese restaurant. First of all, I think it's probably pretty impossible to produce dishes as is because there's no grocery that vends the ingredients that you need. And second of all, like you're catering to people who don't have the interest for that palate, right? It's like people who don't season their chicken. So like from that to like, you know really spicy or really flavorful, I think is a very big palate leap, a adventure for the people involved. So I would say, yeah, I think in the US, there's still a, a adventure for many people to be had. Earlier, you were expressing that New Zealand has this challenge with trying to integrate people and like trying to make them unilaterally more New Zealander-ish versus whatever country they just came from. Versus in the US, I think we are just constantly in an identity crisis because we're like supposed to be this melting pot. We supposedly welcome people from like all over the world, but there isn't necessarily this unifying American culture to even like brainwash anyone into because it's hard to describe what even American is like besides if you want to wave a flag around have an eagle and say freedom everywhere you know like that's kind of all we have in common so when you talk about food it is interesting because Chinese definitely is top of mind for us because we're all of Chinese ethnic origin but if you think about all the ethnicities like here where we're from in California there's a lot of Mexican food too right 
And you can very easily tell when somewhere is like the real Mexican food and the like Americanized Mexican food. And I don't know what that process was that like every immigrant group decided like I'm either going to stick with like mom's old recipe or I'm just going to like totally balls to the wall, make this like a whole thing on its own. And sometimes it also becomes its own thing. Like I lived in the Bay Area for a few years. I hated their Mexican food. It's a Bay Area style Mexican food. Like they recognize that it's like not what you would traditionally call Mexican food. And I think it's like a total bastardization of it. But people swear by it. They love it. And I hate it. But like, that's part of American culture, I guess, is we like take something and like make it slightly different and then claim that's like American now. I totally, totally agree with that. For me, right, like seeing what people in Hong Kong or like people in other parts of China actually like created and then like seeing that creation done differently here like I have that perspective but like a lot of people don't just kind of like you know not to like necessarily pivot but like when we talk about like mass transit like there's almost this myopia when it comes to subway systems here for Americans because many countries outside of the U.S. do mass transit so differently and the sort of expectations that people have outside of the u.s around mass transit are also very different they say like in hong kong if the train is like more than four minutes late then the people on the speakers will apologize profusely right like don't even talk about hong kong talk about japan right they're known for being very punctual like to the second kind of thing and so here somehow new york in new york we tolerate everything right we're tolerating like rats we're tolerating subway lines that are like routed on different tracks but are still called the same subway line like it makes no sense whatsoever but we tolerate it because i think a lot of times people don't really have that perspective of what it could be like outside so when i see it sort of like created yeah chinese food that's sort of interpreted in the american lens i have to sort of put my hat aside as the foreign person from china china hong kong china and just sort of be like yes this is also another culture <laughs> that has grown, you know, in its own self-determining ways. Um, maybe you don't want to answer this question or maybe you don't know the answer. Where do you like the most now of all your possible homelands? Oh, this is hard. This is really hard. I can probably tell you which one I like the least. And my mom is not going to be happy <laughs> with this. But it's no secret to her. I have always never really felt like Hong Kong was home. This kind of like goes into this discussion of like, what is really home, right? Like, is it a place? Is it people? Is it a community? And for me, every time I visit Hong Kong, it always felt very alien to me. Even though it was where I was born, even though it was where my parents were born, and this is sort of the culture and the customs and, and you know, everything that my mom brought with her to sort of parent me growing up. Even though I spoke the language, even though I looked like someone who was from there, I still felt extremely out of place. And I think a lot of it was due to the fact that I really struggled with like straddling these two cultures, being in this like, traditional Hong Kong household at home, and then growing up in a very sort of Western style schooling system, right? And so a lot of times that created a lot of friction both at home and at school. Ultimately, you know, I grew up in New Zealand for most of my life, right? Like, so so I ultimately think biased more towards that. And so every time I'd go back to Hong Kong, it felt like this conflict of values. 
But I think over the years, I've come to work through that and sort of realize that, you know, there are elements of home there and sort of elements of my own upbringing that are just ingrained in me that are just like a part of who I am. It's always strange to have to choose like a specific place, you know, because like there are so many places that some of us who are lucky to have lived in many places. I feel like you always leave like a little bit of yourself, like a little footprint, like memories, things like that. And any place that you've been can always recall some piece of home. So I think we are going to just wrap it up and move on to the close. Listeners, thank you again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this new exploration with Henry and us down another trail of the Asian diaspora. To round out the episode, Henry, we'd like to ask you one last question. Would you ever move back to either of your homes of origin? Maybe. Each of my homes have all marked uh, very distinctive chapters of my life, right? Hong Kong, sort of like being very young and, and growing up with my family, uh, watching my parents sort of age, my grandparents, right? Being part of that culture and then being in New Zealand, sort of growing up like as, as a child, right? As a teenager. And then like being here in the, in the US, especially in New York, sort of growing throughout my 20s, right? And becoming more of an adult who's self-sufficient and exploring my own identity. I think there will come sort of a next chapter um, in my life where the priorities may be different. Maybe I'll value being out in nature more. Maybe I'll be really lucky and have the ability to kind of travel and enjoy the best out of both worlds. But who knows? I might like go and start a sustainable farm and live off the grid in remote New Zealand and not really talk to people again, which also sounds, sounds kind of, I don't know, one of these days, it sounds kind of fun. All right. Well, that's fun. Um, Henry, thank you so much for joining us. I think we learned a lot because I don't know that we've had a guest who has had such like significant time in so many different countries. Usually it's just like one main flip flop. So thank you for sharing your experiences. It's been enlightening. Thanks for having me. This was really fun. Thank you for joining. And listeners, as always, come back next week for a fresh new episode. And until then, bye. 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 B